Hi, welcome to Titular Adventures, titled by at Sydney Zoinks, where you write the titles that create the short stories. This is episode three, Gossamer Fudge, titled by at Adiatas. Sweat dripped. Following the coordinates to the jungles of Southeast Asia, he came across it, a small gray cave entrance, like they said. He sniffed, fudge, like they said. He entered, a man spoke. Where's Eugene? He had fudge on his teeth you could see when he spoke. He was bald on top with long white hair and a ponytail. Don't know. They sent me. You ain't Eugene. Who sent you? They prefer I didn't say. That seemed to appease him. He settled back at the cauldron that hung over a bed of coals boiling fudge. The cave was cool. Perfect for fudge. Laid out around him were ingredients in various stages. Orange cocoa pods, unshelled cocoa beans, the nibs, lay on top of banana leaves ground up with mint leaves on top. A bucket of sugar, piles of various picked flowers, and a goat with a milking bucket. All for fudge. Not just any fudge. Taste! He dipped a stick in the cauldron and pointed it at not Eugene. He licked. It transcended food. Good, yes? Yeah. Very, 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 very. He laughed at not Eugene. The old man stood slowly. He lifted a banana leaf wrapped in a rectangle that was set aside. Six pounds? Okay. Good fudge. Yep, but I need more. All of it, actually. Bah! Just say yes. He hated having to unholster his gun. It always turned into a giant pain in the ass. Six pounds! He pushed the rectangle into his chest. Sorry, no. He turned back toward the entrance, which was also the exit, and it went dark, a thick steel sheet covering it. Not Eugene! He turned on the LED light on the brim of his hat, blinding the man for a moment. He's dead. I need the fudge. The old man sat, legs folded, holding his hand up to cover the light source. Then what? Not my call. It's my fault. It's not your fault, but let's move it. The imperfections kept me safe, but I got greedy too. He wiped his brow with a banana leaf, then handed it to not Eugene. It's hot. He wiped to keep the sweat out of his eyes in case he needed to be a marksman fast. You kill me? The man got up and slowly walked to the goat to pet it. Hope not. Just need the fudge. All? Yep. The older man pet the goat again and it made a soft sound. Guess her name. I don't want to get into all this hoopla. Guess her name and you get no fuss, no muss from me. Just fudge. Rumpelstiltskin. He laughed. Funny. No. Can I get a hint? It's not Eugene. Funny, but I got six guys out there who can't wait to use their guns again. Okay, a hint. Okay. It's a tree. Oak, spruce, ash, cedar, redwood. Why would I name her after a tree where you come from? I don't know the names of the trees here, man. I bet you know it. Banyan tree. Ah, see? No. He pulled his gun from his holster and thought, shit. Okay, okay. He holstered, still pissed. Where is it? 
Sapling. Huh? That's her name. You know what a sapling is? Yeah, baby tree. See, you knew it. He reached to unholster again. Here! He pointed to the ground behind him. Buried? He nodded and put his hands about two feet above each other to show how deep. Not Eugene walked to the steel door to get help. But... But what? You don't want it. Why, has Saplin been shitting on it? Is that your secret recipe? No, you ruined it. He ignored him and knocked on the steel door. They entered, he pointed, and they started digging. I found a banana leaf, said one of the guys. They carefully found the edge and lifted. It poured out, covering their hands and legs and filling the hole they had just dug out. Like I said, it's hot. You were wasting my time. While it melted, he shrugged and pet his goat. She has no name. She's just for milk. The men kicked over the cauldron. They pissed in the sugar. They mutilated the flowers, dumped the milk, killed the goat, and left. Fudgeless. For now. You know, when something's good in this world, everybody wants it. But when it's great, they just take it. We'll be back. Jeans for Every Occasion, titled by Mike Severe. Jeans, or dungarees, were invented by Jacob W. Davis and Levi Strauss in 1871, patented on May 20th, 1873. This we know. How the town of Potsdam, Virginia became known as Jeans City is still up for debate. Some say Jacob and Levi set up one of their first shops in Potsdam. Others say no, Potsdam was just the first city to order a large shipment. Others say that neither of those are true, and well, Potsdam just really loved jeans. Whichever is the reason, that last one was definitely true. And that love started 35 miles outside of the city, with a sign reading 35 miles to Jeans City. In the city proper, which spans three and a half square miles, there were jeans memorabilia, facts, murals, statues, candy, chocolate, and coffee shops, even pubs, all heavily jeans-centric. And it all led to the shop at the center of town, Jeans for Every Occasion, touting itself as having the largest selection and variety of jeans in the entire world. Here are a small sampling of the occasions they offer specific styles of jeans for. Weddings, the beach, relaxation, biking, corporate events, airline travel, extended hikes, low temperatures, high temperatures, private and intimate liaisons, music concerts, stage performances, bus travel, laboratory work, field science work, coal mining, space travel, court appearances, funerals, sporting events, surgery, and boudoir photography, both taking and receiving. As they say at Jeans for Every Occasion, if you can do it, you can do it in jeans, closed on Christmas and Easter. Once a year on May 20th, the patent date, they even celebrated Jeans Fest, complete with Jacob Davis and Levi Strauss impersonators. It may come as no surprise that the man who portrayed Levi came to be the town's mayor for many, many years, but now the town has no need for a mayor. In 1992, a town meeting was held, a debate about the future fate of Potsdam, Virginia. The question was, 
Should the town continue to invest in being known as Gene City, or should they redirect those funds into a stronger digital infrastructure with the purpose of obtaining more technology-based companies? Here is a small sampling of quotes taken from the minutes of that fateful meeting. Jeans at the beach? Who are we kidding? I was shamed into wearing jeans to my father's funeral. It's Virginia. It's too hot and humid for jeans. Is it Jeans City or Jeans City? We might as well change our name to Chafe City. Biking in jeans is just incredibly impractical. I think having Wi-Fi would help our schools. And of course, I prefer khakis. But they were in too deep. It would take three to seven years to upgrade the town's infrastructure, and jeans brought in almost $1.5 million a year to the local economy. Much like the jeans themselves, there was just no wiggle room. The town council voted unanimously, with no abstentions, to continue to be known as Jean City. So, if you're traveling east of Norfolk on your way to Virginia Beach, where you used to be able to make a stop at Jean City for a pair of sport jeans, a cup of coffee from Cafe Rivets, and an ice cream from Denim Treats, you can't anymore. You'll never find Jean City or Potsdam, Virginia. The town's choice was dead wrong, and without any technology upgrades, not only could they not join the tech boom, they couldn't even keep up with the everyday world around them. There was no reason to move there, and the residents they did have bust their kids to outside schools. And one day, the Jean City website crashed, and there was nobody who knew how to fix it. Their appeal faded away, then went the businesses, and finally the residents. Farewell, Jean City, a town worn away by the capitalist machine and a dash of time. Egg Roll and the Cow, titled by Ingrid M. This story takes place a long, long time ago, before cows had udders and before egg rolls were round. And this is the story of how they both came to be. It used to be that there was a farmer. Every day after her chores, she would go inside for a cool glass of lemon iced tea and an egg flat. This is what the farmer called it, because at this time, Egg rolls were still flat. The main ingredient was still cabbage, not egg, much like today. Why wasn't it called a cabbage flat? We'll have to save that tale for another time. The farmer, tired from a hard day's work, would have her egg flat, cabbage, sprouts, carrots, laid on top of a square breading she had deep fried. It was delicious, but it was a mess. When each bits that contained the cabbage and sprouts and carrots, fried dough and soy sauce came together, Mmm, but that was rare. As she would bite, many of the contents would fall off the sides, onto the ground where the barn cat would receive a fair portion of the farmer's snack. She lamented her troubles every day. Day, flat, was far from her only woe. Her days were long and arduous out on the farm, especially the milking of the cow. See, back in those days, cows didn't have udders like they do today. Udders that swung low, perfect for milking. No, they had teats much like the small teats of a pig. The cow milk was as fresh and creamy as it is today, but the process of obtaining it was as miserable for the farmers as it was for the cows, and for the calves as well. And the task took hours. 
The cows hated the daily pinching from farmer or baby. After a day of milking, their teats were sore, and the farmer's thumb and forefingers were constantly strained and cramped. And after two hours of milking, the bucket would only be half full. After doing her chores and milking all four cows, sometimes the farmer wouldn't get to her daily egg flat until 4 p.m., which is late considering she woke with the rooster around 5 a.m. Day after day went by, and the farmer became more and more frustrated and unhappy. It eventually came to be that the rooster's call was more of a warning of what was to come, rather than a celebration of another day on earth. The farmer would dread pinch-milking the cow, and her egg flat was far from a treat to make the day worth it. Making it worse, she had no family to console her, no one to end her days with. Sure, she had met some lovely people along the way, but she rarely had time for others with all her farm chores. And when she did set the occasional time aside, her farming frustrations spilled into her social affairs, making her not that enjoyable to be around, even to herself. So, she decided to sell the farm. It had been in her family for generations, but alone she just couldn't keep it up, mentally or physically. She couldn't even make the OK sign with her fingers anymore without a shockwave of pain. She went to the local bank first to see if they were interested in buying the farm. They knew how much work milking four cows were, and they were not. So she put an ad in the paper. Farm for sale. Cheap. The next morning, she waited on her porch for the paper to come to see how the ad looked. She hoped it would stand out and that there were not too many other farms for sale. The paper girl biked past at 6 a.m. and tossed a paper to the porch. The farmer didn't even attempt to catch it due to her failing finger's dexterity, which reminded her she was making the right decision. She slowly unfurled the paper, holding on as best she could. Then a gust of wind blew, as was wont to do on the farm, and the paper blew right out of her hands, into the pig pen. She hung her head and waited for tomorrow. She had chores to do. At 6 a.m. the next day, the paper girl threw the paper again. It sailed through the air and landed at the farmer's feet. As she went to pick it up, again the wind blew. The paper rolled a few inches and stopped. She stared. The paper didn't all blow away. Nothing fell apart. Rolled up, it all held together. She raced inside. She grabbed the cabbage, the sprouts, the carrots, the dough. It was far from egg-flat time, but she had to try. She laid her dough, all her ingredients, then rolled. She rolled it up tight, and then, and only then, did she deep-fry it. She lifted it, admired it, and shook. Nothing came out. The barn cat yowled, and she laughed. Not anymore, friend. You'll have to find something else now. She took a bite. It tasted even better. This was surely the perfect egg flat, all rolled up. You know how you learn a new word and then suddenly you start seeing it and hearing it everywhere and realizing how useful it is? That's kind of what the farmer felt when she was holding her rolled egg flat. She thought of all the ways this new shape could change her life, starting with the cows. She ran outside and pulled up a stool and bucket next to the cow. The cow braced for a long and painful task. But this time, instead of pinching the cow's teats, she placed one tiny teat between her two flat palms and rolled them back and forth, like she was making a Play-Doh snake. Although, of course, this was hundreds of years before the invention of Play-Doh. In fact, the farmer was the first person to ever make this motion for something besides trying to warm up cold hands. 
she rolled her palms back and forth, back and forth, faster and faster, pulling down slightly as she did. Then she moved on to the next teat. And slowly, the cow's four teats were becoming one udder, lower, wider, filled with milk. Then she did that for the next cow. Sixteen teats, four udders. Like sixteen delicious milk-filled egg rolls hanging from the cows. Then she wrapped her whole hand around the new teat and gently pulled. Milk shot out like a properly primed fire hose. The sound of the milk hitting the bottom of the empty bucket was the best sound she had ever heard. And she lived next to a pond with loons and wood thrushes, which are said to be some of the most delightful calls in the world. In the time it took her to milk two teats yesterday, today all four cows had been milked, with plenty of milk left over for the calves and time to graze. She went inside to cook her celebratory egg roll. The barn cat, seeing that there would be no runoff for him, went outside, only to find cow milk that had overflowed from the buckets onto the ground waiting to be lapped up, which tasted much better than cabbage anyway. Meow! The farmer didn't end up selling her farm, but she did sell her egg rolls, and she gave away her new milking technique for free. She became a hero, ended up getting married and mothering 13 children who all run their own farms or egg roll businesses, except for one who still works for the original, which is both. And that, my friends, is how thanks to the egg roll, the cow got her udders. Make a hole with a gun perpendicular to the name of this town. And I... Thank you for listening to Titular Adventures. Send me the title of your short story on Twitter at Betet, B-E-T-E-T-T-E.